You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Summer School Electronics. Summer School Electronics is a pedal company from Syracuse, New York, making incredible stuff. There are a few summer school devices knocking around the shred shed, and I can tell you from personal experience, they sound great, they hold up, and Mark is a super cool dude. The first pedal I saw from them was the Science Fair, which is a parallel classic drive and distortion. And now they've released a new parallel concept called the Class Reunion. The Class Reunion takes a 90s muff-style circuit and combines it with their Trash Panda, which is like a soft-clipping, high-gain, amp-in-a-box-style circuit. And it is a super, super versatile combination with all kinds of clipping options, parallel blending. It's really, really rad, a really cool idea, and I think you should check it out. So go over to summerschoolelectronics.com. That's summerschoolelectronics.com and check them out today. So some of you guys might recall a few months ago, Robert Keeley stopped by the Tone Cave to sit down and talk pedals and guitars and all that stuff. But one of the most important things that he told me and one of the things I really took away was that this episode is sponsored by Keeley Electronics. That's right. I know I say that's right all the time um, in the sponsorship spots, but it is right. I'm not making that up. Let me tell you about the Loomer. If you guys haven't played the Loomer already, you should, because that thing absolutely rips, and it has been blowing my mind all day, every day, for a little while now. To keep up with all things Keeley, I think the best bet would be to head to their website, link in the show notes, and follow them on all the social media and sign up for their mailer list. That's where all the good stuff comes, and... You don't want to miss a beat with these guys because they're they're cranking out stuff at a rate that nobody else is. So go tell Rob hi, and thanks for listening. This episode is also sponsored by the fine folks over at Sinusoid. Sinusoid cables. They're the cables you need in your life because not only are they dealers in cables, and as you've heard on other podcasts, smiles, they are also dealers of, hmm, how do I put this? Very interesting limo rides. Yes, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. I don't mean to be so cryptic, but if you pry around on the interwebs for long enough, you'll find a uh, very particular ride in a limousine with some very interesting characters that was brought to you by Sinusoid Cables. I'm just going to leave it at that. Nothing else really needs to be said on the matter, except... Except one thing, they do have some uh, new TechFlex colors in stock and some very, uh, very fun and interesting options for you. So if you like cables with a 100-year warranty, if you like cables that help your your local guitar podcasters keep doing their thing, then go hit up Sinusoid at Sinusoid.com and, you know, connect your cables with all the glee possible. Hello, 
everyone. Welcome to another episode of the ToneMob.com podcast, show about guitar tone and the people behind it. And I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today I have Evan Delaney from Friat Amps. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, I wish it was actually here. I do very right. few in person, and it's always like, yeah, nice, nice to be here. And I'm like, where is here? What is nice life? To be here figuratively. Well, yesterday, <laughs> you know, I'm like, you told me nine o'clock Pacific Standard Time. <laughs> And, I'm, and the people I deal with are all in California, and I'm in South Dakota. So I'm like, my brain, even though I knew you weren't in California, I'm like, you're in California, right? Oh, no, Portland. <laughs> Still Portland. Okay, right. Yeah. Yep. yep. And I, at, yesterday, it felt like California, though. It was great. Yeah. It was awesome. But today, we are back to standard uh, issue Portland gray wet. So <laughs> I, I got the sun today. I'm good. Oh, man. man. I'm, it was just enough to get me really excited and... And uh, bring me out of the funk, and now just throw me right back in, right back to the wolves. It's just the way it goes. Weather's so fickle, it's cruel, man. <laughs> it's a cruel mistress. Um, so maybe we'll get started uh, with kind of tell us a little bit about uh, your musical backstory and kind of how that led you to the role with the company today. Um, and then maybe we can get into a little bit of what you know about the background of the company. Sure. Um, gosh, that's uh, that's so open ended, man. Uh, my own like musical history. Where should I begin? Well, when did you start playing? Uh, and what did you start playing? I suppose would be as good a place as any. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I started. Let's see. I was. I'm 31 now. Uh, I started playing guitar when I was 14. I still remember my older brother Tristan uh, got a got a, an electric one of those. Uh, Silvertone, like Silvertone amps, you got it on cue, Sam Goody, that like oh, yeah. chain that stocked a bunch of garbage guitars and stuff for <laughs> a while, you know, that all like tanked. Yes. But he brought that home and uh, he brought home the second album from Collective Soul. I think it's an untitled album and it had their song December. Um, are, you, are you familiar with Collective Soul at all? Uh, somewhat. They were a band um, that a bunch of my friends were into and I just... I never, never got into them, but sure. you know, right around that same time, I, I don't know. I kind of went from some of the, some of, some bands of that kind of ilk and then dove like headfirst into like heavier things, but collective oh, sure. soul. Yeah. I am familiar with them. Yes. That's a roundabout way of saying it. <laughs> I get you. I mean, my, my brother got into like progressive stuff like dream theater and I kind of gravitated away from that. I liked I liked more identifiable, melodic things that I could connect with. So, you know, I can't get into, and I'm not really in, into freeform jazz so much, even though I have some friends who are very much in that vein. And I love them and love what they do. It's just not really my favorite thing, you know? Oh, I get it. Yeah. But yeah, he started playing, he started playing guitar before I did. And we have very different, very different styles. He's more, he's this great solo chordal um excuse me not chordal i'm the chordal guy i love music theory and he's just got this innate ability to like take something i'm chording add melodic structure to it and create like a piece of music suddenly it comes alive you know that kind of the kind of situation mm -hmm. but i started i started as a singer a, a group of skateboarders had a band uh in middle school and one day their singer couldn't make it so i popped up i was like 
Oh, I, I, I like singing. Singing's cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, so they, they let me come over. I knew the songs and, and bash them out. And I decided I would, I would, uh, try to undermine their lead singer because I was, I, I felt I was better than him. So, you know, here's this 14 year old kid who was homeschooled coming to middle school going, Hey, I know you guys are friends going way back, but your singer sucks. Take me. <laughs> That's so, funny. You know, <laughs> uh, needless to say, that didn't work out for me. Um, but I got into another band from one, one of the other skater guys that was friends with them. And I just sang for them for a while, but started picking up guitar from there. And really it wasn't, um, I was really no good, uh, and at all, I was just kind of a rhythm guy and I, I never really started to study guitar till many years later, till, till my twenties when I actually started to sit down and, and really try to understand it as an instrument and it become more of a, you know, a, a piece for uh, you know, another voice, because I'm more of a singer than I was ever a guitar player, but then I became more, in, um, I don't know, more interested in using the guitar to express a different way because it's such a unique instrument for expression. Right, right. But, I mean, all of that, all that to say, like, I became a gearhead, too. You know, I found the gear page, and that's, you know, wherever you are with the gear page and good or bad, it's a great resource um, you just need to, you know, have some discretion when you go in because there's <laughs> <laughs> an infinite amount of unsubstantiated opinion. So, you know, you just, you just need to be smart when you're going and, you know, contribute something useful as opposed to just miring around and, I don't like this thing because it didn't sound good for me, therefore it sucks and you suck for thinking it sounds good, you know. <laughs> yep, that you just summed up my gear page experience. <laughs> And I try to avoid that kind of um, baseless uh, opinion um, browbeating, you know. I prefer to actually try to give uh, some foundation to where, where I'm coming from to mm -hmm. tr so, so that whoever, you know, reads that actually goes, oh, okay, well, that gives me a tonal reference for this guy. But Totally. Yeah, I mean, so not to, not to you know, that's, and that kind of encapsulates a lot of years where I just started to become more and more entrenched in aftermarket gear, um, uh, higher end builders and, uh, just becoming more aware of all the stuff out there. And eventually, um, I'd heard about the new Fane Ascension series of guitar speakers. Mm -hmm. And Fane, Fane is one of, was, is one of those kind of names out there in the ether in North America. We're not, you know, we're not really super up on them, um, because Celestian, you know, dominated the market. Right. We've got we've got them. The UK has still got Fane, and and the guitar speaker market for Fane here is you know they had some stuff and they've always had some stuff, but it's never been huge. So I so I contacted Fane and said, hey, um, I saw this new line. I've heard of your company. Um, I'm a consummate gear uh, junkie to say the mm -hmm. least, and so I'm curious to hear these things. Uh, they said, check out Fane USA. Um, our guy there is Neil Osberg, and here's his contact information. So I called him up, and just was like, "Hey, tell me about these speakers. When are they coming out?" And this is before Fane even got there, or the first shipment had even touched ground here. Uh, a friend of mine encouraged me to. Well, they they didn't have distribution yet; they hadn't really gotten set up. So I, was, uh, so I just you know dialogued with him and said, "Hey, give uh, give me a call when uh, when that's ready to go." Said he'd do that. Uh, and I was talking to a friend of mine about it, and he said, you should see if they need any help with that. So, you know, I just kind of thought, like, mm, yeah, sure, well, maybe. Yeah, oh, well, why not? 
So I called up Neil again and said, hey, man, you looking for any help with that? And he's like, well, what are you thinking? And just started the ball rolling, a dialogue, said, send me a resume. And we just started talking. And long story short, for my 30th birthday, um, some friends got together with Neil and Steve Fryette himself. And, and they put together a little kind of a birthday package of sending me to Anaheim for the 2016 Winter NAM. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Oh, so great. I got to meet Steve. That's the first time I actually met Neil in person because um, they picked me up to try to help with Fane uh, for for lots of different things, for distribution, for uh, sales, for all, all kinds of stuff. That was that was originally why I came on board. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that so, your background? So, um, which way? Sorry. Uh, with like sales and, and things like that. Is that where you're... Why were they interested in you for that position? I'm just curious. Seems like oh, kind no, of a, a random thing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, I don't know, man. I think uh, it, if I look back on it, it seems more like a right place at the right time. I mean, I was a, a manager for a music, uh, uh, a privately owned music uh, store here in my hometown for several oh, okay. years. But, you know, the, the guy who owned it, he said there are two kinds of, of guys in a music store. There's musicians who do sales and there's salesmen who do music. Mm-hmm. And and I always pushed back against the salesman who does music thing because it just felt like it just felt so insincere. It just felt like I was trying to pimp something so I could make sure to get that that uh, person into a higher bracket. You know, spend more money, dude. Trust me, spend more money. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and I, and I, I know the type. I know the type. Yeah, and um, I, nobody likes that, right? No, no, no. Nobody's a. Uh... Nobody's favorite music store does that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, oh yeah, here's that guy that constantly harasses me and just never listens to anything I say, only tries to get me to buy what he thinks I should have. Mm-hmm. Love that guy. Yeah, gotta you love know? that guy. So my, I, I my picture thing... this guy's face in my head, this particular guy, local guy, who's b- bounced around to various guitar stores, and I'm just like, I'm <laughs> never going to buy anything from you ever again. Right. Yeah. See, we all know that guy. That's exactly yeah. it. And, and we hate that guy. Yeah. He's just terrible to interact with. He makes the experience unpleasant. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of ruins our, I just want to go with my big wide eyed, like somewhere in my, my teenage self is still going, that's so cool. You yeah. Know? And that, that guy's going to suck the joy out of that. Go away, guy. It's kind you of know? a, we're, we're kind of going on a tangent, but it, I just had a random thought. What kind of a person what type of person could possibly make a trip to the guitar store a miserable experience? <laughs> like, how how low of in in life do you have to be to be that guy? So crazy. Well, it's one of those things. It's so close, you know, because like that that pleasure and pain thing. You think you're so close to that. It's good, but then there's somebody who maybe even means well, but they're so part of the you know the system or the corporate mentality. They don't realize they're just actually a you know a sponge in their own way <laughs> right you know it's just it's just an unfortunate thing but anyway yeah you know, never um, mind forget that i guy. just yeah I, that was just something i pushed against and which has been really great because when i go to nam shows because i've been to three now two two winter nams and one summer nam as well as the mm-hmm. la amp show um it's it's challenging because when people come to your booth uh, you you don't want to you don't want sales pitch stuff. I don't. I'm not really. I think if you actually believe in what you what you do, what you have, then you can just represent it well and tell people why you're excited. And that's so much more authentic. 
uh, I think it comes across so much, so much better too, because I, I, you have to kind of fight back against that because there's a lot of assumption happening as soon as you interact with somebody at a trade show. They go, well, of course you think it's great, man. You work for the company. You're just here to sell. Right. <laughs> so it's a, it's a constant, it's a constant struggle to go, well, yeah, but I could work for other people and I choose this and I, because I believe in it and I, I think they're doing great work and I think their products are cool and I think that there are uses that go beyond, well, I prefer the sound of this amp to that amp. These are, you know, uh, kind of Swiss Army knife tools. A lot of the latest stuff Steve's coming out with are very much like that, I think. Anyway, um, so uh, that's kind of the, some of the background of, you know, a bit of salesman, but more more that I, I, I'm more interested in genuinely investing in people and building relationships where they can get what they need, not what I'm trying to push, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally, so. totally. Makes a lot of sense. There, uh, so there, the history of the company. Now that's a whole mm-hmm. other can of worms, I, as I understand <laughs> it. But maybe you can, uh, maybe you can kind of tell us about that. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, we'll just see where that uh, where that trail leads. Um, honestly, you know, I've had lots of conversations with Steve, but. Um, all the all the ins and outs. I know some of some of what happened as it transitioned from VHT to Fryette in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, he's told me he's told me the story, and it's it's one of those things that only the people who are involved know all the details about. And I don't know if it's really something that's worth rehashing. the 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 thing that's most important for people to know is that what VHT is now uh, has literally nothing to do with the VHT that was Steve Fryett's VHT. They have none of the designs. They have nothing but the name, uh, quite literally nothing but the name, uh, to the best of my knowledge. And oh, Steve took all of his stuff, you know. His, he, he kept his all his, and, yeah, all his IP, basically. Yeah, yeah. His intellectual property is absolutely his own, and he uh, went out as Fryett. I mean, VHT started in 89, Um you know, let's see. I I don't I, I can't remember how long before that Steve was doing like uh, tech work on amps and whatnot. But he's I mean he's been in the he's a he's a godfather of industry man. One of the you know cascading gain stagey multi channel amp uh, kind of history dude. One of the guys who was there at the beginning who invented some of that stuff. You know. Right. 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 So it's it's very cool to it's very cool to be a part of that to hang out with with that, with these people because they're great people too. Um, uh, so, I mean, as far as history goes, it's, I, I, it's really not a place that I, I could really be very useful or informative on. Uh, it's just, it's never something that I've really felt like digging into with them. Like, Hey guys, tell me, so, you know, what happened? You know, what, uh, <laughs> where'd things go wrong? And why tell are we where, here where, now? Where did it go wrong? Where did it all go <laughs> south? But, 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 but it is, were we born? <laughs> It is important to note, though, because I don't think I there. I think there's some confusion in the marketplace too regarding that transition. I don't know if that if if uh, people who are familiar with both companies, I um, I think the general consumer and myself included, like knew they were related, but to what degree, not a hundred percent certain. Um, sure. And so, yeah, I think there's the important part to note is that. Yes, Steve started VHT, and mm-hmm. then he took, and then something happened, and he's no longer with VHT, 
and he has his own thing going on and it has they the two are that's as far as the relation goes at this point basically right to- totally separate i mean totally entirely separate um what 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 the original vht was which was steve fryat and his designs and his work um uh became fryat Mm-hmm. And the the VHT that exists now is is in in name only, you know. So that's that's really the takeaway of it. There's there's no association. There's no crossover. There's no shared anything. It's just the old name, you know, that mm-hmm. we that we no longer have. We are we are Fryette. <laughs> Hear us roar, <laughs> and we are one. <laughs> uh, you know. So that's that's really that's all I can really say about that. Before, you know, until I uh, anything else would basically be me talking out of absolute, absolute ignorance. And I, instead of uh, proliferating ignorant, uninformed information that's inaccurate, uh, maybe you should check, uh, what's your next question? Okay. <laughs> um, so, let's see. So, um, Bryant has a couple things going on besides their main amp line. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, the one that's got me really interested is the new Sound City stuff that's coming down the pipe. Oh, yeah. um, can we talk about, um, you, you're probably a little more informed with what's going on there. Um, mm-hmm. what did they, what's the goal with, with that brand? Are they going to try to resurrect it as what it used to be? Or are we putting new spins on old designs? What's the, what's kind of the whole theory with the sound city line? Sure. Um, well, I won't put, uh, I won't put my words on what Steve's trying to accomplish. I'll just use what he, what he said in interviews and what, what he said is, uh, basically he took a sec. So do you know the history? Uh, I'll just give a little history of sound city. Yeah. Do um, that. Just as a context for the, the, the podcasters tuning in or who will be tuning in. Cause they're like, who the heck is this? Evan Delaney. You're not fried. At- what, what, who are you? I mean, you a show, <laughs> you know, but anyway, so, uh, sound city, uh, I, I can't remember. I don't know exactly when they, you know, how long the company has been around, but, Dave Reeves, who is Highwatt, who was Highwatt, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, is designed for Sound City, like the original Sound City 100 head and whatnot in the mid, early, mid, late 60s, somewhere in the 60s, and took the capital he made from working, designing for Sound City and started Highwatt. So the original Sound City, uh, some of the original Sound City designs, particularly the 100, uh, was, was Dave Reeves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, whoever's played a high watt knows they're, they're a unique kind of big, ballsy, uh, punchy sound that's just, it's distinct. It's got a distinct sonic signature. Um, and that was very much Steve's, uh, history. Everybody started to pick out like, yeah, I'm, I'm Marshall, I'm Fender. And, and, you know, and somewhere in there, someone's like, I like Fox, you know, but <laughs> he, he didn't Is really that what the Fox guys sound stuff. like? I didn't know what they sounded like. <laughs> I'm just, that was to represent a smaller portion I, between. I like Vox. Vox is cool. Brian May's my hero. Shut up. You know. Um, <laughs> hey, actually, I'm a Vox guy. I grew up playing Vox and Blackface Fenders. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not digging on Vox whatsoever. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> or any of those companies. I love that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I love all amps. I just, you know, you, you find a sound you like, you can find sound if anything, you know, it's just, uh, it's just whatever inspires you. Yeah. Um, but so that's that's kind of the, the history of, of Dave Reeves and Sound City started there and then into High Watt. But 
Uh, Sound City started to really change throughout the 70s. Their designs got really bizarre and active tone stacks and massive amounts of wattage and really got away from the tonal uh, kind of thing that it seems like uh, Dave Reeves was, was going for with his original designs. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, I, when we found out that, well, I wasn't part of that. That, that was, was pre my time before we, well, I was somewhere in there when we started looking at Sound City and then acquired it officially uh, a while back. But that was, that's not under my purview. I, <laughs> I have no, <laughs> no legal authority. I didn't talk to anybody about, yes, we'd like to acquire your name. Uh, throughout Europe and North America and Japan, you know, <laughs> uh, that, that's, I don't have that clout, but, uh, Steve, we, we acquired the, we acquired the name and Steve took that original, uh, Sound City 100 design. And what he said he did with it is he, he's, he massaged it to kind of realize what he, what his favorite things about it and try to fix some of the things they felt were, uh, could be, you know, nuanced a bit better. You know, the original Sound City 100 head had four inputs and four individual volumes, and they got progressively suckier as, as you went <laughs> on down the line. Right. You know, it, it had its own issues. And actually, I got to play it. I got to play one of those original Dave Reeves Sound City 100s blasting through a, a vintage Sound City fane-loaded, you know, cab at, uh, oh, at the, the Anaheim location. Man, it was, yeah. Or excuse me, not Anaheim, a Burbank location. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, was, it was cool because... You really, you really got to experience, and if you don't get this opportunity, which you, nobody really will except people who've been in Steve's shop when he had that amp, is you play that, and then you play the Sound City Master 100, and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, obviously. Obviously, that DNA is shared, but it's, you know, the, the top end's sweeter, the low end's uh, tighter, but it hasn't lost the character. It just feels more refined, more, more usable, more friendly. Um, yeah, and that's that's kind of the cool thing about that. So he's trying to keep, you know, because he's got the like the Ultra Lead or the Sig X, and these things are incredibly, incredibly powerful tone shaping amplifiers, multi-channel, multi-feature within each channel, yeah, just just crazy amounts of tweakability. And the mm-hmm. Sound City is is more in the vein of all right, how do we go back to the roots? How do we? It's the simple rock and roll machine. You plug in. There's a normal and a bright um, volume, and you just bridge those because you know, it's it's four input, but it's it's more like that Marshall four input than the Sound City four input. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. You know, so you take a you take a little um, a little jumper. Yep. Mm-hmm. Blend the two channels, and you have the best of both worlds, however you like it. And and this thing, man, the fidelity, gosh, it's cool. I just I I'm, I just genuinely get excited about it. You know, the first time I experienced it, it was just. Like you know how a fuzz face pedal has basically no filtering on the low end, mm-hmm. and you yep. open it up, it hits your, it hits whatever amp, and it just overloads it instantaneously. You can't have your volume at ten, and and use a fuzz face for any kind of cording, um, and not that not that you necessarily should. It's I mean it's one of those tools that you have to work with. It's not just everything on ten dime go boom sound fine. Mm-hmm. You know, Done. It, it takes, yeah, it takes a little bit of nuancing, and that's fine, you know. But I, I remember I brought, uh, I brought a, a Chase Tone Germanium Fuzz Face to uh, the LA Amp Show, and there was, a, there was a great guitar player there, Josh, 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 Josh. Uh, I can't remember his last name. He's done a lot of, he's done a lot of stuff like LA Vintage guitar and whatnot. He's done a bunch of videos. 
Mm-hmm. Um, really talented guy. He came in and he just ripped it up. I mean, we had a lot of people who were really great, but he came in. He's like, man, I wish I had a fuzz face. I was like, funny you should mention that. Here we yeah. go. I just happen to have <laughs> one in my out. pocket. <laughs> yeah, it was almost, yeah, it was almost literally like that. I haven't had that in my backpack. Here you go, good sir. Never want to leave home without fuzz. <laughs> you could bury me on a bad day with broken hands, but still, you know, the, <laughs> the guy, you know, just that kind of player. Yeah. So, I mean, the cool thing about the Sound City to me especially is the power section handling is just so robust, but like dynamic and sonic, uh, sonically complex. It's really cool because it can take like a fuzz face, dimed out, full volume, and doesn't feel like it's it's fighting back with you at all. It can handle it like no problem whatsoever. It's really amazing. Uh, and, and that's one of, one of my favorite things about it. But yeah, anyway, that's uh, it's just a rock machine. Does it have a ton of headroom, or does or oh yeah, or what? Yeah, yeah. okay. Yep. That makes it's sense. it's not really an op- <laughs> what I think Steve called it like what a plexi wants to be when it grows up or something like that. <laughs> you know? But I don't have uh, I don't I've not actually played a, I haven't personally played um, uh, a Marshall plexi. I don't have a point of reference for that. You know, but we've had Luis Luis Maldonado. Um, plays for Train. Uh, Train just did a Led Zeppelin II's whole album, a little tour of that, and they they took a Sound City full stack, Sound City Master 50 head, and on a power station, and and toured with that, and he absolutely loved it. You know, it's uh, it's 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 just really really, it's an honest platform, and I think that's kind of a, a through line for all of Steve's designs is that people sometimes call them they're they're kind of stiff. Uh, it's, they're kind of designed to not saturate quite as much in the power section, so they they're, they get that really incredible grind, but they stay incredibly articulate, mm-hmm. um, which can seem stiff, but it's actually really just it shows the player, and and, and if, as someone who's a sloppy sloppy player, I'm like, oh man, like <laughs> I suck. Yeah, Dang. I, I, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I love guitar, but I'm not I'm not a technical wizard by any means, you know. But I love bashing stuff out. I mean, these these amps really just show you whatever you're using. They'll they'll reveal to you what like what that pedal that you put in front of that guitar sounds like, what those pickups sound like, how your finger playing style, how you're playing with the tone and volume, everything your you know your pick, everything that you do, um, and the dynamic range of what you do is really revealed with the Sound City stuff, um, more than any other amp I've ever used. And I, I think that's one of the things that impresses me the most, is it, it's just such an honest platform that's still very, very musical. So it, it's, it's a great um, foundation to hear things really honestly, I guess. Yeah, interesting. So like, it would be a really great... I mean, there's a few that fit this bill out there, but it sounds like it would be a really great a platform for guys like me who mm. are obsessed with pedals and so like dial in kind of a bass sound and then plug in the massive array of pedals and it would sounds like it'd be a perfect amp for that kind of thing oh yeah absolutely that's that's and i'm a i'm a fuzz junkie you know oh um, baby <laughs> you yeah you know you and i know we already we've had this conversation fuzz not is, on the uh, hot mic though that's true. That's true. Behind the scenes, the, this, full disclosure: we've talked before this moment. It's true. 
Yeah, yeah, we we've colluded. I don't know what we've colluded about, but it's happened. I don't I I don't know if this is, comes as a complete shock to anyone or not, but there's not been one single guest that I had on the podcast that I've not spoken to off the microphone. Spoken See, to everyone off challenge. the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so. No, I I no no. I'm never gonna. Yeah, do that. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too uh, too not uh, risky in the fullest sense of the word. Like. I have no, uh, I have no idea what might happen with this person that I haven't vetted whatsoever. Yeah, it could end up being like Charles Manson or something, <laughs> or like, worse than a serial killer. It just goes flat. The conversation dies. You're like, I got an hour to fill, and this guy is dead weight. <laughs> that could be, uh, that could be a challenge with some people. But the thing about that is, um, that is really hard if there's a if that's somebody's personality type. But mm. the thing is. Those people don't generally ask or or say that they'll be on the podcast in the first place. They'll be like, "Yeah, no, I'm no, I'm okay, thank you." Or they won't sure. they won't even right. ask. And so it, they kind of the problem kind of fixes itself. I haven't really had <laughs> too many issues with that. If somebody wants to come on the podcast, that means they probably want to talk about gear and or just ramble. Sometimes we just yeah. like to ramble about nonsense for an hour, and that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, forgive me if I do ramble. I mean, I try to answer questions. My mind, like the way my mind works is like I, I kind of have a broader picture of how I try to articulate things and have a, have trouble narrowing it and focusing it to to contextualize it well. So forgive me if I if I like go off on tangents that are not in any way, you know, um, conducive to forwarding the conversation. That's what this podcast is all about. It's tangents <laughs> and right, tangents, right. tangents and tacos. Pizza. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. All I got um, is some coffee with Bailey's, but I'll take that. Oh man, that sounds quite good too. Um, I had a random question. Oh well, fuzz. Let's talk about fuzz because because I love it. Um, mm-hmm. do you have um a particular flavor of fuzz that you like to kind of gravitate towards, or uh, are you just like me in what? I need all fuzz because they're all mm. so different, and who knows what kind of sounds you could get. You know, that's the funny thing, man, because like the the base like circuit topology of of like old fuzz circuits. There's there's outlaw changed this capacitor and added a transistor. Uh, Mark two, you know, right? Um, so there, it's not super crazy what's going on that differentiates them inside. But you know the the sonic change is is you know night and day. That's what's I, insane. You take a fuzz <laughs> face and you swap out one little component. It's like this could be a different pedal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, exactly. it's that's, bizarre. That's, have, have you ever messed with pedal guts at all? Do you ever uh, play with circuits or not? Not your thing. No. Well, no, not really. No, I sure. I know just enough about electronics to be to be super dangerous, and I can <laughs> I can solder, albeit really really slowly um but yeah no that's not really my thing i i let uh <clears throat> i let leon handle that my buddy leon from pelican mm, sure yeah it's just fun i mean i do it i do it every once in a while i've built several amps but you know i'm not uh electrically electrical engineering uh informed enough to be useful in that capacity just uh I, i've learned a lot on the way but anyway so far as like me um you know, sometimes I like that super saturated, completely unforgiving wall of just mean, uh, you know, when you do a, a bend 
um, like a double stop bend where you've got the notes just grinding past each other. And it's one oh, of the yeah. most beautiful things you can ever get. But it, it needs that mean, mean, searing, Velcro-y kind of goodness mm-hmm. uh, to really achieve that, that awesome sonic effect. Sometimes I absolutely love that. And sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I want to I want to fuzz that response to my playing a bit more, response to my volume a bit more. So, I mean, I'll go between I, I want to be in love with fuzz faces, but usually I'm pissed off at them, <laughs> uh, which I think speaks more to, you know, my my ability to use the tool than the tool itself. So I, I can't I can't dig on a fuzz face and more like I just don't understand you. I, I just want to love you. Can you love me back? You know. <laughs> So I, I'll, I'll play whatever, man. You know, the one thing I haven't tried yet that I really, really want to is an Analog Man Sunface. I mean, they're like the venerable fuzz face, uh, you know, Sunface, excuse me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I'd love to try one of those. I, your Tone Mob Fuzz, I've been curious to try. You know, there's several things out there, but I mean, I've got an old Civil, not Civil War, excuse me, Tall Font. Um, Ooh, yeah. Big Muff Pie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I've got some Paul Trombetta, several Paul Trombetta stuff. The pedals is Rotobone and some other things. He's he makes some really killer, unique stuff. Chase Tone, you know, I've tried a whole bunch, but uh, I've got a couple. Like my Mark, my Mark 1.8 from Paul Trombetta. Uh, it's got AC 128 and they're This thing just, oh, it's a searing, mean, completely unresponsive until it gets to <laughs> sputtery, volumey kind of. Mother and I love it. You know, sometimes it, it's just it's just what the doctor ordered. Nice, nice. How about you? Uh oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> I just did this thing the other day where um, I was talking with the, uh, I was actually doing a podcast with the uh, Brian Wampler on on his Chasing Tone podcast, and uh, oh cool. We were talking about um fuzz a little bit, or we we're. I, sh- I should say, I was trying to get Brian to talk about Fuzz, because he was going all crazy that day. Um, but I, we were joking about, like, he was like, oh yeah, you like Fuzz. And I was like, no, I hate it. It's the worst thing ever. And I, as I was saying it, I was sitting in a circle. I was looking around, or I was sitting in a chair with like a circle of pedals around me, because I'd been mm. playing with them the night before. I was like, one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven. I was like, no, I'm just sitting in a circle of 12 different fuzz pedals right now. I don't like any of them. So, and I don't, uh, I didn't, I haven't counted for a while. Um, at one point, like a year ago, I think I had like 21 fuzz pedals. And now I'm sure it's closer to, I'm, I'm guessing it's over 30 because I have a sickness in me. Well, yeah, right. It's one of those, like, I've got, you know, if, if I was on a TV show, uh, well, dude, uh, so, you know who John Shanks is? Oh, that name sounds really familiar. Who is that? Right now he's touring with Bon Jovi, one of okay. the guitar players, him and Phil okay. X. I'm not sure how they trade off duties, but um, he he has this, this wonderful home in the Hollywood Hills. And, <laughs> oh man, we uh, had to go return the Sound City uh, 100 head because he owns it. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically we were returning that and we kind of got a tour me and me and neil osberg got a tour of the house and this was just pre-nam so it was just one of the stops and many things we had to do and uh you know this guy's got so much gear <laughs> it's just <laughs> mind-blowing yeah i mean well you're in one room 
and there's like 50 pedals and, and that's just one room and the, the room preceding that had like 15 guitars and that's just like those were just acoustics and dobros and mandolins and oh there's a drum and uh, oh this the house is wired for sound oh here's the the keyboard room here's the guest bedroom with uh you know this old tv tv um panel deluxe oh that's an original oh okay oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow so uh yeah like but it's one of those things it's kind of like a, uh, a a sanctioned addiction. It's it's okay. This addiction is okay. Other addictions are bad, but uh, you know this this one's okay. Our pack rat psycho collective uh, music gearing um, psychosis. It's cool. It's fine. You know. No, it's weird because like you know, you watch like a TV show with like like hoarders or something, and you're like, mm. oh, that person collecting all their bottle caps. Oh, that's so <laughs> weird. And then you like stroll out to your room you're like la di da di da oh i got a new pedal today this is wonderful and then mm -hmm. <clears throat> like we see guys like that that have just insane collections and we're not like oh look at that nut job we're like oh man that's totally what i would do it's <laughs> <laughs> well precisely man like okay so you've like nam is, is is a cool thing and when when you get into to aftermarket gear nam becomes kind of like this this uh you know xanadu got to Got to get to paradise. Got to get to Nam, <laughs> because it's it's a place where all this gear is happening. All this, all this, all these people are doing the stuff you love, mm -hmm. and and it's great. It's a really it's it's a wonderful time. By day four, you're you're seriously homicidal. Um, uh, you've never contemplated murder more, and your ears are pounding. But it's still fun, mm -hmm. you know. And <laughs> um, oh crap! I just my my mental train just derailed. <laughs> Something, something to do with, with gear. No, no, come back to me, Thought. Don't do that. No, it's uh, okay. Had a Just total brain collapse. Let it go. It, it wasn't no. meant to be. It but wasn't. it hurts my heart, you know? It, you, get, you get all excited about this notion, and then it just crumbles when your brain's like, I'm done with this thought. I don't care if you are, but I am. <laughs> it happens to me uh, more often than I'd like to admit. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a regular thing. It really is. Well, since we're talking gear, let's yeah. talk about some of your personal gear. And then we never really dug into like uh, the current Friat line. So let's sure. talk about that first, and then we'll get into your personal stash. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the stuff that <clears throat> you know, you know, Dave Weiner, uh, he toured with Steve Vai for quite a while, right? Um, Dave, great, great player, obviously. I've never personally met him. He seems like a nice guy. He just did a, a one-hour Facebook Live on Gatopia, um, on their Facebook, you know, obviously Facebook, um, mm -hmm. where he, he demoed our power load. Um, so for anybody who's familiar with Fryat, we've got, Steve came out with the, the power station, which is a reactive load and a power amp uh, combined into one. And the, the, why that's really cool is that the reactive load sees your amp, amp's output, like a speaker would, so that it doesn't compromise, it responds the same way to your playing, and it doesn't compromise your sound. It's not like a traditional attenuator where your impedance curve is flattening as you increase the, <clears throat> excuse me, as, as you increase the, the attenuation. It's not killing your highs and lows and making everything sound like crap, even though you're getting saturation. It, it actually retains all that. So it brings it down to line level, and then the 50-watt power amp section reamps it so you can set that exact sound. And any, there's, there's two different switches that you can tailor around those sounds with. Uh, for the reactive load, you can tune the reactive load, and you can tune the power amp section. So all of that is 
you know, it allows you to really do whatever you want with you, you can make it for for bedroom practicing stage volume control all that so that that's the power station and then steve came out with the gpdi uh, which is a one watt all tube um, no no digital anything anywhere proprietary cab sim um, you know recording amplifier like desktop recording amplifier and this and i've got one of those as well and you can run it you can run it uh, into the power station create a 50 watt amp you know with <laughs> With no issue. So this thing, I mean, it, it's got two gains. Um, so like one's a voicing and one's a saturation. And then three different kind of EQs, like a clean deliverance and pitbull. Um, deliverance is kind of like a 70s rock and roll. Pitbull's more modern. And then an extra gain switch. And it, it really, I could go on way too long about the versatility of it, which sounds shilling, you know. Like, yeah, of course, man. Once again, you're just pimping a product because you work for these guys. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's not. I've noticed I, it's, you it's, have a lot of characters that you do. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, <laughs> I like I like your characters. I wish we should start naming them. <laughs> that's, what, I, that's what my dad did. You know, voices and, and goofy stuff growing up. I love so it. It's just, it's, it's, it's conversationally normal for me, even though most people are like, "What the crap is going on with this guy? <laughs> he, got, has he got voices in his head? Absolutely. Yep, yeah, he's got split personalities. Yeah, we're talking to Evan and Kevin today. Actually, in case you knew that, it's Kevin. Get it right. Oh, oh it's Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so uh, um, that's uh, let's see. I, I I would encourage anybody who's listening to this to go and look at what um, what the GPDI is because it's easier to sum up the power station and its sections. It's it would be more involved to convey the, the different options that you can achieve with the GPDI because it has so much tone shaping and gain shaping and all this kind of stuff that it's it's really something that you should see. Um, I think uh, Dave's going to do yeah I, next week uh, is what he said he was planning to do a another Gatopia Facebook Live with with the GPDI. So I'm looking forward to that too because I'm just going to it'll be cool to see what he does. Nice. Um, nice. But yeah, what he just did was our power load, which is the cab sim section of the GPDI um, and uh, the reactive load section of the power station kind of combined into this one box. So, you know, for so many guys, especially praise and worship guys, which I have history with, um, they they always have stage volume issues and amp, amp issues and, and fighting with the sound guy and fighting with stage volume, blah, blah, blah. Like this thing is what I wish had existed so many years ago because it you can take your amp your favorite amp your favorite sound run it into the power load and then it's got this this mic sim out this cab cabin mic sim that you can tailor to sound like whatever you want it to and oh you can practice with headphones you can run it in front of house you so you can run a completely si uh, silent stage without compromising the sounds you love or turning your amp down so low that it's completely anemic and sounds like crap mm -hmm. uh, you know so that's uh, that's what we just demoed. So those are kind of big, big three like stage studio home uh, tools that I think what I really get excited about those particularly is because I, I love sharing that with musicians who need good tools um, that that goes beyond. Well, I prefer this sound. I prefer that sound. It's like, that's cool, man. Here is something that will allow you to use your sound in any situation and and that's cool for me because i like to i like to equip musicians i love them to be able to get what they want and be happy and achieve the things that get them excited because nothing's worse than getting together on stage or with a group 
And as soon as, you know, like you start going, oh, you need to turn it down, you know. You're like, come on. Yeah, come on. it, yeah, it come instantly on. deflates you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, like, like, the band doesn't sound together, or it just feels really weak, and it, it doesn't have that really enveloping kind of musical um, thing, you know, that intangible that creates that presence that makes it so awesome. So these tools, I think, allow for that. They allow you to keep your tone. They allow you to get those levels wherever you want them. You can use it wherever you need them. You know, that's, that's why I think those are cool. And those, those are really what are happening a lot right now. And some of the, the Fryat power amps... Um, but I haven't really spent any time with those, so I won't make any statements on them because it would be, well, we make power amps and they're cool, and um, uh, you you you, you, need you a power should amp? like yeah, you need you need one. Yeah, Here, come get one. These guys kind of you know like define the industry. Um, <laughs> trust me, you know, or trust them. Try it. You know, I'm gonna so. call that guy Michael. That's Michael. Michael. Michael, he's he's not quite as hey guys as uh, as uh, Keevan, but <laughs> Keevan's a little bit of a geek. Uh, but Michael's Michael's just a shill. <laughs> right. I don't, I, you know, I'm just trying to pimp a product, but you know, it's really I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of you, man. No, that guy's this is a totally different guy already. I can't, yeah. I can't. These people come out of uh, you know spontaneity, so I can't uh, <laughs> replicate them on command. Dang it! They they fade into the ether. I'm sorry. Oh, Which is man. actually another Fryat product. Boom! Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah, even. obviously I've had way too much coffee and way too little sustenance, so I'm getting uh, a little trippy. Anyway, so those are, those are the <laughs> this those is why are the I, This that... is why I agreed for you to come on the show, so it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the stuff I think that Sound City... I mean, but Steve's got a huge history of, of amazing amps. The the deliverance is 160, 120 watt, depending on the model. Like, kind of harkening back to that basic rock machine, but has that dual gain setup that's just, man, it's it's a mother. It's a beast of an amp, and it's cool. Um, but, like, the Pitbull has multiple channels. Sig X has multiple channels. Uh, you know, all this, they just, he's, and those still exist. Um, just, they're not the focus right now. Um, mm hmm so I mean, yeah, it does of, sound like really cool stuff. It it does sound like you guys are kind of focusing more on the like producing things that will integrate into people's existing rigs. You know, mm -hmm. as far as mm -hmm. the the Fryat stuff goes, the Sound City obviously it's a new thing, but it sounds like a lot of your focus has been on yeah creating things like you said that everyone can use in some manner or another. Right. Yeah, just and really I, interesting. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't speak to Steve's. Steve's motivation, or or where exactly his his business direction is, or what he wants, and I, so I won't I won't speculate on that. It's it's outside of where I should, uh, you know, make commentary. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that that that's just smart to offer these incredibly incredibly versatile tools because uh, that you know that it t it takes you out of that. Well, I'm a Fender guy. Well, I'm a Marshall guy. Well, I'm a this guy. Well, I'm a this boutique. I'm a Mesa guy. I'm a whatever. And goes like, this is a tool I can use regardless of of what amp style or sound that I I prefer to identify with, uh, which is you know just great. It crosses the because you know guitar players, man, we're territorial like to to a fault. Oh yeah. Like, oh no, dude, I don't I don't touch that, man. I'm a I'm a Marshall guy. It's like I'm a Democrat. Like I don't care. <laughs> like, just play some stuff, man. It's all about making some sound and inspiring people, creating art. Just have fun with it. Stop getting, you know, 
twisted up over. Well, it's it's. I mean, it's it's cool because it's PCB. I guess it's not hand wired, but whatever. You know, that's mm-hmm. the snobby guy. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, had that happen. A guy came in, played played our Sound City Thirty combo at Nam, like, and he was a good player, and he liked it. And and then his comment was. Well, you know, it sounds pretty good for a PCB amp, and I was, you know, I was like, oh, man, I've never been so tempted to slap somebody uh, <laughs> in this context because, like, you're thinking, you're hearing with your preconceived notions, with your confirmation bias. You're not hearing with your ear. You you want it to be better. You think it would be better, or because it would be hand wired, but that would add a thousand bucks more to the cost. We're trying to make these things accessible without compromising the sound. And Steve's been doing PCB forever. And there's nothing wrong with a quality made PCB. And there's nothing wrong with doing hand wired, but it adds to the cost. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's a different schools of thought. I, you know, in the end, are you listening with your ear or are you listening with your, you know, preferences? Yeah. That's the thing, like, where I, I've always stood on that side, like, yeah, I'd prefer to, yeah, I'd prefer to have my amps hand-wired, and most of the stuff I play is, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't care. If it sounds good, I have a great, I have a couple great-sounding PCB amps, too, it doesn't matter. Right, like, it's not a hill only, dying on. The, the only, the only time I really care is when I see, I won't name any names, but when I see certain companies charging exorbitant prices for not super complicated PCB amps. That that sure. does grind my gears a little bit. I'm like, you were charging like four grand for a blackface Fender clone that's PCB. <laughs> like, no, that's not cool. Sorry. <laughs> I, I can't get down with that. You have to wonder about the, the overhead there. It's like, man, I mean... I could go to Mototone, whether or not you're a big fan of Mototone, you can still get like one of their kits for a, you know, a K and put it together and you've got a blackface amp and, and you, these guys can swear up and down about the, the changes, but until someone's actually spent the time with them and experienced them, it's really just, uh, it's speculation and it's preference again. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you got to take everything, everything in the musical world, everything in the gear world with a grain of salt. Because everybody's got an opinion. Very rarely did they back it up. Um, so you just you just have to be smart, you know. You just you can't go in going. I read this thing on a forum. Therefore, it's like eh. Strat Dog Twenty Three <laughs> told me that that was no good. He told me, and I believe Strat Dog Twenty Three. He he has to know because he's a dog that plays a Stratocaster. <laughs> if this dog is sentient enough, you know, to play a guitar <laughs> and write on a forum, I think he knows tone. Okay. He, okay, I think he knows better than you because he's a. <laughs> He's a guitar playing Labrador. So he hears frequencies we can't imagine, bro. <laughs> well, that's actually probably true now that we think about it. I wonder what a guitar sounds like to a dog. They're that's probably like, oh man, turn down the treble, but man, that's <laughs> terrible. What are you All doing? Is that upper like past, you know, 15k, man. It's just it's just going higher and higher and I hate it. Stop. You, you gotta roll that off. You gotta roll that <laughs> off. To please never play a telecaster. Oh wow! Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Poor dog. Uh, but on that note, um, that's actually. I grew up. My first guitar was a. Oh, it was this terrible, like Mexi Fender. I, I might have been a Squire. I don't remember. I, it was lent to me. Um, lent, lended, lent, whatever. Sure. I, I got it from uh, uh, my buddy in the first band, and I remember 
just just I, man, I don't even know what I was trying to figure out, but I just um, I remember breaking a string, and I thought I destroyed the guitar. I thought, the oh guitar no! Was just, yeah, it, I was terrified. I was like, oh, I broke a string on this guitar that I'm borrowing from my friend, and I felt so bad. But oh here's no! The worst part. I took it back. I took it back to him because he asked for it back. I was like, dude, I broke a string. I'm so sorry. And he did nothing to alleviate my feeling <laughs> terrible about this. He's you know, like, oh, he's man. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a string, dude. It's easy to replace. It costs nothing. That was not how that went. I just recall it being kind of awkward. And I was like, oh, man, I just feel so bad. It was not, it was not cool. But anyway, like, that was what, what I started learning on. Then I had an Epiphone Les Paul that I started tweaking and putting different parts in because it never stayed in tune um, to where I am today. I have a 1988 Les Paul that was gifted to me um, by a very dear friend, and I've had that for many years now. Oh, very nice. And, and that's, that's kind of my number one. But it's also like uh, being a, a psycho gear-swapping person, I've put so many different parts on that thing. It's... It's to the point where if I pull out another piece of hardware, I'm going to have to put in dowels and redrill oh, it. Oh, no. So, so at this point, I'm like, you know what? It's pretty good. It's time to leave it be. You know. So I play with that. I have a Fry at Memphis, which is a two-channel. Um, kind of, uh, It's got a really great clean, and it's got a really great dirty. I, I use that as a nice platform. I usually stay on the green channel, which is the clean one, and use that uh, pushed a bit because the green channel breaks up really nice with a variety of different... You know, pedals and and that. I've got a 1970 high watt uh, 412 <laughs> cab. You know that has the the Fane F70s in it, and that thing. Oh. <laughs> I live above a gym right now, so I can uh, I can turn it up as loud as I want, which is nice. which is kind of nice. Um, but I've literally been in the next room breaking in the speakers with earplugs. Or excuse me, head, headphones over earplugs and still feeling like it hurt my head. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, I'm an idiot to do this this way. I'm, I should rethink my life because I'm probably going deaf. Mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> but, but it's just like you have, you know, 300 watts-ish of power handling. And I had a, a, a JCM 900 that I had borrowed from a friend that I was using just to push it. So you're talking a 100 watts tube of punishing power that cranked out is, is way beyond 100 watts so it's just uh yeah. it's, it's fun i love i like making noise it's a good time <laughs> that reminds me of a of a story that i that i've i think i've told it before on the podcast maybe maybe not can't remember but i'm gonna tell it anyway because it's it makes me laugh when i think about it i yeah. used to before i uh you know had you know got obsessed and had too much gear that fit in a bedroom um mm. i had my my guitar room was in the house and I got a uh, a Fender 75 head, which is obviously a 75-watt head tube mm. um, that was modified to get it to actually sound good. And I was like, I just got it back. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. And my wife wasn't home. And I had this old, uh, uh, I can't remember what year, uh, Marshall 2x12, but it's that cab it's like that green cab that was i can't remember the model it's right behind me but i'm not going to turn around and look <laughs> at it uh the it's like that green cab that's like a slant 2 by 12 where or dot, excuse me where the where the speakers are offset so it looks like a small 4 by 12 if that makes any sense okay 
Yeah. But it, I can't remember how many watts it is. It, I think it's got like 200 watts power handling or something. It's 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 obscene for a two by twelve. How loud <laughs> it gets. But I plugged right. into that and I was like, nobody's home. I think I'm really gonna rock this this stuff out. So yeah, just full volume, just in there rocking out. Like, oh, this is way too loud, but it sounds so good. And uh, only did that for you know five ten minutes. Then I turned it back down to normal volume and just kind of played like I normally would. Well, in that time, my wife had gotten home and she comes. <laughs> she comes in. I didn't know she was home, but she she walked in and she comes in the room. She's like, "What did you do? <laughs> what are you talking about?" She's like, "Come out here." I go out there, and like all the pictures are all crooked, and the there's stuff in the like scooted towards the edge of the shelf, and like she's like, "Why did you move all this stuff?" I was like, "Oh, that's funny." It was. That's I, so I wish awesome. I could have had a camera in the room watching all the everything just shift. It would have been quite funny. But anyway, I love it. I love it, man. The sound pressure levels, like when you, because <laughs> that's one of the coolest things, though. When when you got so much air moving that you hit a low note uh that it just you know it rattles your your soul the mm -hmm. your bone marrow is starting to you know move around like that's awesome we we had a guy uh at the la amp show like every time we we plugged the plugged in the the sound city master 100 steve always put it into a 112 or 412 mm -hmm. and that's just what he used like and and that's fine because that's that's what it was used for. That's what it's designed to work with. Yeah, check it out. Our four twelve, it's amazing, um, kind of a thing. And and that's fun. But I'm sitting there going, dude, this is a this is a, a classic one hundred watt head. We've got two four twelves. Why haven't we plugged them into two? Right. And, and done a wall wall of sonics. Now, like so, we're in a very small. Hotel room because that's what the LA Amp Show is. It's mm -hmm. everybody has a hotel room, which I didn't know. And by the way, it's a uh, sonic suicide. Just an FYI, because you know you're gonna go deaf. Yeah. Uh, everybody's like, yeah. Now I can be loud without the NAM police. This is gonna be great. Oh, <laughs> now I'm deaf. I wish I had the NAM police. No, not not really. I don't. <laughs> but this guy came in. I literally just finished. Uh, just finished hooking up the, the situation so that we could have two 412s go on. So we're just making, a, you know, the 100 watt into this thing, which I knew already would be able to peel paint uh, or give you a haircut, whatever you want. And and this guy comes in, he's like, hey, man, I, I just like playing blues stuff. Can I try out your amps? Sure. Yeah, of course. That's why they're here. We hadn't even plugged this in yet, but we knew. We're like, hey, man, just you know, just bring up the volume slow, Okay. So he starts rolling up his the volume. He kind of feathers the low E string with his thumb, mm -hmm. and like just this most the super percussive wave just pushes back on all of us. The guy leaps back, and he says something that I can't repeat on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just a, an exclamation of surprise, shall we right. say? And, you know, just, just lights up. He's like, that's amazing. Because <laughs> uh, it, it was just so cool. Because that, that same kind of power, when, when you start to push, uh, it just makes things shift. And it's going through walls. And it's uh, vibrating everything off of the, off the shelving. It's, you know, that's such a cool thing. It's so fun. Yes. It, it really is. It, it's, a, it's a magical feeling. Um, 
Well, you know, we've gone on, and we're right up against that hour mark, but I gotta get, get the classic question in, and then uh, then we can uh, call it a day. Does that sound good? Ooh, there's a classic question. There's okay. a classic question. It's very important that I that I get this, and there's been some guests in the past that I've, I've not, I've been remiss and uh, missed the question, but mm. that will not happen this time. So, um, Evan, what, uh, what kind of pizza do you like? Uh, well, I love Hawaiian. Ah, get out. <laughs> oh, we got to end this podcast right now. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. Oh, man. You're one of, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it was going to be one of those guys. <laughs> Listen, pizza, it's hard to go wrong. As long as you don't put anchovies on it, you know, who cares? I'm well, going to eat it. I've never tried anchovies, um, so I don't have an opinion on those. I don't know. Mm. I like fish. I like pizza. Okay. I've had clam pizza before, which I thought was going to be Whoa. terrible, and it was actually good. Um, hmm. So, I, I don't know. That. Well, I remember the first time my dad was like, we're, we're getting, a, pine, we're getting a, a Hawaiian pizza, or whatever he called it. Mm-hmm. I don't, it you know, Hawaiian's the more everybody uses that now, but back then I don't think it was widely known as that. It's just like Canadian bacon pineapple pizza, whatever. Right. And I'm like, pineapple on a pizza? That's as weird as saying cheesecake. A cake made out of cheese isn't a good thing. That's disgusting. And you were like, wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say, you know, there were revelations in my life about both cheesecake and pineapple on pizza. So I encourage people (laughs) to be open-minded about food. All right. Uh, So I'm saying. I can. That's that's my final thought for the day. That's a good. That's a good note to wrap up on. I think. I think so. Eat cheesecake and pizza. That's the takeaway. That's what I'm going to do, I think. That's, that will be the rest of my day now. Excellent. Well, All right, dude, Evan. Thanks I for coming on. I appreciate your time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yes, it was a good time. So I'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, for Evan, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. 
He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.